Open your Bibles with me to the book of Galatians. Here at Grace Baptist, we try to just go through the Bible verse by verse and understand what God has for us. The book of Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it was written to churches all over an area called Gaul. It was called Gaul, the Gallic people. And uh, these are the people that would have been the forebears of the, the Scots and the Irish and and those people. And they were, they were crazy warriors, just unbelievable fighters. Uh, Caesar had his own, Julius Caesar had his own Gallic army that he would take with him. They were just fierce fighters, you know, giants, large, large people. And um, so you would think that they would be people of moral integrity and, and courage. No, they were very fickle. These people, they change their minds and vacillate. Uh, Julius Caesar, in his own writings, said that you could never know which day the wind was going to blow with these people. You had no idea what, where, where their allegiance would be for that day. Well, the Apostle Paul goes to that area and establishes churches, preaches the gospel. People come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And they establish churches all over that area. But because of the fickle nature of some of the people in some of those churches, the apostle wrote this letter to try and teach them, look, you don't have to add anything to the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. He died because we're sinners. Because we can't be good enough to save ourselves. We needed a savior. And so Jesus Christ came as our savior. To pay for our sin. He, he died because we're sinners. But he also rose from the dead three days later, proving that he was and is and always will be God. Then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And now for those of us who have asked him to be our Savior, who have repented of our sin and asked him to be our Savior, those of us who have been born again, the Bible says, now Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father making intercession. He's, he's pleading our case. He's our lawyer before the Father. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible says it this way. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Well, that was the message of Galatians. That, that's the message that the Apostle Paul is trying to bring. But what had happened was some people had come into these churches and were telling them, no, that's not enough. You also have to keep the Jewish law. You've got to eat certain things. You've got to have certain kinds of baptisms. You have to, to uh, attend certain types of ceremonies in order to be able to go to heaven. And the Apostle Paul says it this way. Oh, in verse 1, chapter 3 and verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? And of course, according to the Word of God, what he's saying is, okay, the only way that a person can go to heaven is by faith. That's it. You're, that's what the Spirit of God does. By faith, you believe the Word of God. You believe what it has said about you, that you're a sinner. 
And you believe what it says about Jesus, that He's the Savior. And you believe that. Without works. If you add works to it, according to the Apostle Paul, that's foolish. And that, that's what he says here. So now, when we get to chapter 4, <laughs> when we get to chapter 4, look at what the Bible says in verse 1. And this is our text for today. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth his, the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ." Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us to understand this passage today, this text. Give us your understanding of it. We don't need man-made wisdom today. You've told us exactly what we need to know. Help us to understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. In this text, we are seeing something, and the Bible makes it very clear. Verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir... What is an heir? What is an heir? Well, according to Webster's dictionary, it's one who inherits or takes from an ancestor. As an heir, you inherit something. Then listen to what he says. The son is often heir to the disease or to the miseries of the father. How many of you have ever said this or had someone say to this, Man, you look just like your dad. You ever heard that? That's what it means to be heir to the miseries of your father. That's, that's what that is. Jacob is stuck being short. I'm sorry. This is all I got. You know, there, there are no six foot five people in my genetic makeup. I'm just telling you, he is heir to these diseases. And that's true. You know, often when you go to the doctor, is there diabetes in your family? Is there cancer in your family? Is there heart disease in your family? Why are they asking that? Because the children are heir to the diseases of the father. We all understand that, right? Well, here the Bible is saying in verse 1, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. What is that talking about? So if you have a king, and the king has a baby, and that baby is his heir, well, that baby is nothing more than a servant in that kingdom until he has inherited the kingdom. He's going to have tutors. He's going to have governors. That's just, that's just the way that it is. What does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with us? Well, who are the heirs of God? Who are they? Look at what it says in verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Who are the heirs of God? Well, the heirs of God is not everybody. It's not everyone. You see, the Bible says it this way. The Bible identifies the heir as the Son of God. Look at verse 4. 
But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His what? Son. His Son. The heir is the Son. And, you know, I know that in our culture today, the idea of saying that the heir is the Son, that violates political correctness. But when the Bible was written, God wasn't real concerned about that. And so He says that the Son is the heir of the Father. Is that right? That, that's the way it's communicated in Scripture. So now what happens is then we can become the children of God. Man, woman, doesn't matter. All of us have the opportunity to become the children of God. But we're not all the children of God. According to the Word of God, we're the children of Adam. We're part of Adam's race. Is that right? There's only one option. Adam or maybe some aliens or something, which of course are not there. So you have Adam or you have nothing. All of us are the children of Adam. And because we're the children of Adam, we've inherited something. Now, what's interesting, look with me at Luke chapter 2. And keep Galatians, of course. We'll be coming back there. Look at Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Let's try to get some kind of an understanding of this idea of being a son of God. Now, Adam was created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. Is that right? We understand that from the Word of God. But look at what it says. This is the lineage of Christ going all the way back to Adam. So Luke chapter 3 and verse 38, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Adam was the son of God. What does that mean? That means he was a direct creation of God. God created him out of nothing. And he was created perfect and innocent, no sin. That's what a son of God is. A direct creation of God without any sin. But then Adam sinned. Adam sinned. He, his wife Eve took of the fruit, and then he took of the fruit, and as a result of that, all men died. But I want you to see what happened. Go back to Genesis chapter 5. And we saw from Luke that Adam was the son of God. Is that right? Genesis chapter 5 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam and the day that God created man. In the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them. And called their name Adam. Ladies, if you've ever wondered why you take your husband's name, it's because of this verse. All the way back. They, God called them Adam. All right? And he called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Adam lived 130 years and begat a son. In whose likeness? In his own likeness. See, he was no longer in the likeness of God. Now he was in the likeness of Adam. Now he was an heir to all that Adam had to offer. He was an heir. He was now an heir to sickness and death. He was an heir. The Bible says in Ezekiel, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. And that's what happened. When you look through the lineage of Adam, it says, and he had a son and he died and he died and he died and he died. You get to the lineage of Jesus Christ and there's no death. Jesus Christ doesn't die. And anyone who is in Jesus Christ can have eternal life. That's wonderful. But until that point, we are an heir of Adam. Adam fell. He lost that 
sonship. See, Adam, as a direct creation of God and as a son of God, was to inherit the whole world. God had given it to them all. He had given it all to them. Have dominion over the earth. And they lost it. They lost it. So from Adam until Jesus Christ, no one else in the Bible was ever called a son of God. No one. No one was ever called a son of God. But they did inherit something. They inherited sickness and death and flesh. How many of you have ever noticed that the world's a little bit of a mess? Anybody know someone that's died of cancer or a car accident like little Aslan? Why does that happen? Listen to what the Bible says. For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, Jacob may want to be 6'4". Sorry, son. Not going to happen. Hey, Jake, stand up here for a second. Come up here with me. Lydia, you're so lucky you're back there. Okay. Now, how many of you can tell this is my son? I'm sorry, son. You're cursed with unbelievable good looks. (laughs) The glasses, the hair, the walk, the height. It's all here. It's all here. Why? Because he's my son. He's inherited that. And the sad thing is he also inherited my impatience. All of those things. He's just my son. I watch him doing things and I say, oh no, he's learned that too. <laughs> but you know, one of the good things is, he's, the Lord gave me a good memory. God's given him a good memory. Now we just hope he remembers the right things. Is that right? So what's happened is he's my son. Whether he wants to claim me as his father or not, it doesn't matter. It's in his DNA. It's in his genetic makeup in many ways, to be like me. Now, let me clear something up. We are not determinists. His genetic makeup does not require him to make bad decisions. Is that right? God gave him a free will. God gave him a mind. God gave him the Word of God. He has the opportunity to make right decisions through the Word of God. But one of those decisions is not to be 6'4". right, thanks, Jake. You see... In our body are the limitations, in our bodies are the limitations of our ancestors. Is that right? Now look, we're not talking about racism and all the things that have been spoken about in that way for centuries. How many of you understand we're talking about a difference in that? We're not talking about racism. What we're talking about are simple genetic characteristics. And one of the, and the primary genetic characteristic that we receive from Adam is the ability to die. And actually, the sentence of death on us. That's what we inherit. You see, the inheritance is not based on the worthiness of the heir. Inheritance is not about the child, it's about the father. Inheritance says nothing about the child. It says everything about the father. So the reason that we inherit sin is because our father, Adam, sinned. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 4. 
Listen to the rest of the definition from Webster. One who succeeds to the estate of a former possessor. One who is entitled to possess. What are we entitled to possess? Look at verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. But he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, children of who? Well, the Bible describes us until we're born again as children of the devil. All right? Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Okay, so here we are. Adam had a problem, and his problem was sin. Do we all understand that? We all, we all get that. That was a problem. And he passed that problem down to us because we are his heirs. When he sinned, he lost his innocence, purity, and righteousness. His soul became lost and in need of a Savior. All of his heirs, now Adam's children, and not God's children. Adam's children became heirs of Adam's corruption, grief, heartache, sin, and consequences. This is why life is so hard. We have inherited a life of sin, rebellion, and hardship. And here's what we do. We look at the little child. Here's a baby here. Uh, we, uh, Nathan's baby is back there with uh, Shauna, little Chloe. And we look at these children, and, and here's, what we, here's what we see. Innocence. And before God, they are innocent, right? Amen. Uh, when my son Riley died, four and a half months old, I was so thankful when Keith Kaiser, one of my instructors in Bible college, he just stood there weeping, and he, he read from the Bible what David said when his son had died. He said, he can't come to me, but I can go to him. He knew that his, his, his baby was with God. Isn't that a blessing? So when we look at these children, what a beautiful face. <laughs> I'm distracted now, okay? <laughs> what a beautiful face. We see innocence, is that right? Well, then why do we have to teach them how to throw a fit in Walmart? <laughs> we don't, do we? We... I understand that Carrie. <laughs> You're down front now, baby. You're good. <laughs> and of course, Wade was perfect. But look, we don't have to teach our children to throw a fit in Walmart. We have to teach them not to. Is that right? Uh, of course, some of you dads throw fits in Walmart. You're spending what? <laughs> But we don't have to teach our kids how to throw a fit in Walmart. We have to teach them how not to. Why? Because they're sinners from birth. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. We are sinners from birth. And don't ever forget this. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. That's why we need a Savior. You see, we have inherited death. We have inherited this sin nature. And while we want to do good, many times we want to do right, and we don't want to be a part of the wickedness of the world, but we can't because it's part of us. It's part of us. That's why Jesus Christ came. So that's Adam's problem. What about our problem? Well, you see where we are? Well, we don't differ anything from a servant. How many here are for slavery? Anybody for slavery? No, it's horrible. No one who's ever been a slave would be for slavery. Would you all agree with that? That's the idea here. 
That's the idea. You see, the child, those of us who are children, the Bible says this, we are in bondage to Satan. We've been taken captive by Satan and his deception. That's the world. That's the entire world. That's the problem with every person who is born into the world. Look, look at what it says. Look at verse 3. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Bondage under the elements of the world. Why? Because we inherited it from Adam. All of us had a time in our life when we were Adam's child. We were under the governorship and tutelage of a master other than God. Now, I gave you the definition of heir. Let me give you the, the, the definition of tutor. And I, I think this is interesting because we can understand this text better by understanding what a tutor was when the, when the Bible was written here. So you see in verse 2, But as under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Here's what a tutor is. In the civil law, a guardian, one who has the charge of a child or pupil and his estate. Who is our tutor? Well, the Bible says that we've learned from this world. And the world, this, this world system is in charge of our lives. That's why Jesus Christ had to come. Here's another, one, another definition of tutor. One who has the care of instructing another in various branches or in any branch of human learning. All right? So now, here's where we are. Everybody in this world, whether you want to or not, have come under the influence of two things. All of us, everyone, you, me, everybody in this room have been greatly influenced by two things. And it was unconscious. We, we didn't know it. We didn't really participate in it. These are the things that have influenced us. The first is this, the law of God. The law of God. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Romans. It says it this way. It's Romans 2.15. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the means while accusing or else excusing one another. Okay, so what does that mean? Everybody in our hearts, we know this, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. It, all of us know that. If you go to any culture in the world, you will find you're not supposed to steal. You're not supposed to commit adultery. Yet every culture in the world understands that. Why? Because God wrote it on their hearts. That's what the Bible says. God wrote the law, His law, on their hearts. So that's the first thing. We, we understand that. If someone wanted to hurt one of these children today, every person in this room would try to stop them. Would you all agree with that? Why? Do you have to be taught that? No. No. Immediately. Immediately. You know, how many of you remember before seatbelts, driving down the road with your dad in one of those cars where you'd go like this, driving down the road, bias ply tires, Right? And he hits the brakes. What's the first thing he did? Did dad have to be taught to do that? Now, I was short, so dad would hit me in the nose, which was a real bummer. <laughs> but what is that? That's, that's the law that God wrote in their hearts to protect that child. They don't have to be taught that. Laura uses this when something, you know, with the kids or whatever. She says this, mama bear's about to come out. Trust me, you do not want to see Mama Bear. Be nice to my children. 
Now, that, that's written in our hearts. Would you agree with that? But there's another law that's written in our hearts. It's the world. And so while we understand in our conscience and in our heart what right and wrong is, we understand that, there's also a law that says, hey, I want that. And I can take it if I want to. There's a law that says, if you want to get ahead, lie, steal, whatever it takes, just do it. That's when you watch these little kids down in the nursery, the toddlers. It is so funny watching their nature that's already there. You'll see some little kid walk up to another one and just push him down and take the toy. That was Lydia. Listen, we brought Jacob home. What are they? 17 months apart, I think. Some 19 months apart. And so we brought Jacob home from the hospital. He's all wrapped up. Laura's got him laying in the corner of the couch, you know, in the back. And Lydia, 19 months old, sweet, beautiful Lydia, walks up, stands at the edge of the couch, points at him and says, Trash. <laughs> Trash. <laughs> she was not interested in giving up her stuff. Okay? That's, that's our nature. That, that's what's in us. So we have been shaped by the law of God, but we've also been shaped by the world around us. Our decision maker is broken. The things, the Bible says the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But wait a minute. Jiminy Cricket says, follow your heart. Yeah, follow your heart right into the grave. Follow your heart right into alcoholism. Follow your heart right into drug addiction. Follow your heart into all different kinds of diseases. Follow your heart into a life of destruction, a life of abuse, a horrible life. That's where your heart will take you. That's why God made parents. That's why God gave us His Word. So we can know how not to make those choices. Here's what we don't understand. All of us are surrounded by this every day. And here's what the Bible says. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. All right, so here's where we are. This is what we've learned. Number one, Adam had a real problem, and that was sin. We are the heirs of Adam or the sons of of Adam, and because of that, we have inherited all of his wickedness, all of his frailty, and the, that's the that's the reason for the mess that the world is in. All right, let's pray. Go home. Wouldn't that be a bummer if that was the end of the story? That would be a real bummer. But that's not what the Bible says. I love verse four. Look at what it says. Look at God's plan. But when the fullness of time was come, God. So if you take that phrase out of the middle there, you just say, but God. All of us were servants. We were children. Uh, we, we, were, we were stuck. We were in bondage. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. What happened when God sent forth His Son? You understand what we're looking at? We're talking about heirship. So now you have a Son of God, Jesus Christ, the sinless, the perfect Son of God, because we were inheriting death. Because we were inheriting sin, God sent the sinless Son to give us something. What did He come to give us? Look at what it says. Verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. 
What is that? The adoption of sons. Keep your place in Galatians. Go to John chapter 1. Aren't you glad we can understand why the world is in such a mess? We don't have to look around and say, what are we going to do? Why is it like this? God's told us. Look at John chapter 1. Look what the Bible says. Verse 10. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. He was in the world. This is John 1.10. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him. How many of you believe that, that Jesus Christ made the world? Right? He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. How do you do that? Work real hard. Be a good person. Join a church. Pay your taxes. Give to the poor. What does it say? To become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born. Heirship is a matter of birth. Look what the Bible says. Which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Look, look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, again he's speaking to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, that's truly, truthfully, truthfully, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? What, what is that? That's in your heart. That's Jesus Christ coming and living in your heart. That's the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ in Luke said, the kingdom of God is in you. That, that has to happen. How does that happen? Look at what it says. Remember what he says here? Except a man, verse 3, middle of verse 3, except a man be born again. Nicodemus, verse 4, saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's a good question. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That's the water birth. When you're born from your mother, and that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you or unto thee, ye must be born again. Jesus Christ said this, You're born of your Father. And your father is Adam. So how do you become a child of God? Well, you've got to be born again. You must be born again. How does that happen? By the Spirit of God. You must be born again. How does a person get born again? Let's go back to Galatians chapter 4. Verse 4, but when the fullness of time was come, when the fullness of the time was come, there's a specific time when Jesus came, 
God sent forth His His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. He had to obey the law. He came and fulfilled it. Verse 5, to redeem them. What does that mean, to redeem? But to buy back. God created you to be His. You belong to Satan. You belong to this world. So Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and paid for you with His own blood. That's what redeeming means. To redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive what? The adoption of sons. The adoption of sons. Okay? So all you boys, come up here with me. What a good looking group of guys we have here. Look at this. All of them are just the right height. Okay, Jacob, you come right here. You're over here. Want to know why? He's my son. All these knuckleheads over here, they're somebody else's sons. You know who their father is? Satan. Sorry, dads. Do you see the picture? If I'm God, and of course I'm not, horrible analogy, but for illustration's sake, I'm God. This is my son. This son right here, he is going to inherit everything that's mine. He's given it to him according to Hebrews chapter 1, by inheritance. Unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. None of them. He had that for a son. His son. So here's what he did. These guys right here, he wanted them to be his sons. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants all of them to be his sons. So what did he do? He sent his son to die for them. Then he rose from the dead. And he comes and he offers to each and every one of these guys, Hey, do you want to be my son? Do you want to be my son? Do you want to inherit eternal life? Or do you want to inherit the damnation and hell of your father Adam? So, do you want to be my son? 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 He hesitated. He's going to go to hell. I wasn't sure. He wasn't sure. He, he needed, uh, almost thou hast persuaded me. That's what the... I want to be short. <laughs> he doesn't want to be short, he said. Thanks. <laughs> hey, you haven't passed me yet. And I've seen your mother. All right, now, look. So important to see this. When they say yes, when they accept that eternal life, when they accept the Son of God, the author of the Father through the Son, when they accept that, now here's what happens. All you guys come over here. That means this side. All you guys come over here. Want to know something? Now they're all my son. You have the Son of God. But look at what the Bible says. You guys stay right here for a second. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 13. Romans 8, verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. That's that physical birth. If you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the deeds of the if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. What is mortify? A mortician. It's death. So here's what happens. When you get saved, 
That is putting to death that sin. And you can live through the Spirit. All right? Look at what verse 14 says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. You see that's capitalized? That's, that's the Holy Spirit of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the what? Sons of God. That's awesome. And here's what the Bible says about those sons. Verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage. Remember, that's the bondage of Galatians 4. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. When I was in Israel last year, our missionary, Jay uh, Ross, he has a son with Down syndrome. And just the, the sweetest kid, I think he's three or four, and he'd be watching a television, a cartoon, and he'd want, a, he'd want his father. And he'd say, Abba, 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 Abba. And his father came around, what, what do you need, son? See, when you're a son of God, you can cry to your father like that child. That's what the Holy Spirit of God does for us. How does that happen? Verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, The Spirit itself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Verse 17, And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we may suffer with Him, that we may be glorified, and we may be also glorified together. So here's the idea. Don't miss this. Here we are. Here's my son. He's my heir. He's my heir. These guys aren't sub-heirs. They're joint heirs. What does that mean? That means that Jay, in spite of the short jokes, is due everything that God has offered His Son. Now you understand grace. How many of you think that Jesus Christ deserves everything? Amen? Do you know what God has given to us? Everything. Everything. Listen to what it says. 2 Peter. Look at this. 2 Peter. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Where does that knowledge come from? Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, He deserves everything. Because He died on the cross, these are now sons of God, heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Now look, how does that happen? How do we become that heir? How do we become a child of God? Well, we understand you must be born again. That's what Jesus Christ said. How many of you believe that Jesus said that? You must be born again. How many of you believe He said that? So how does that happen? Can a man enter again into his mother's womb? Of course not. Of course not. So how does that happen? Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. It's by faith. It's by faith. You see, here's the deal. 
It doesn't matter how hard these guys work, they can't become my son. How do you become a son? By birth. By birth. That's the only way. That's why Jesus Christ said you must be born again. And when you're born again, what do you become? He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Why did they have to become the sons of God? Because they were the sons of Adam. They needed to become the Son of God. How? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You must be born again. You must be born again. How do you get born again? How do you become a son of God? How do you become a child of God? How do you gain that inheritance to become an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ? How does that happen? By faith. Here's what the Bible says, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says it this way, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by His mercy He saved us. So here's how we do it. Okay, I got this pen. It's a beautiful Parker pen. It's actually quite expensive. I like nice pens. But I want to make it a gift to Kayla. Kayla Sue. I want to make it a gift to Kayla. Kayla, what do you have to do to make that yours? Just take it. Now, in order to keep that, I want you to wash my car every week for the next 10 years. Why'd you give it back? Because it's not a gift. Okay, Chad, I want you to have this. We learned this last night. I want you to have this. 1995. Okay, that's a good deal. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's bad. Okay, $300. 1995. <laughs> uh, why, why didn't you want to do it? Because it wasn't a gift. It wasn't a gift. If you have to pay for it, it's not a gift. If you have to work for it, it's not a gift. If you have to earn it, it's not a gift. What's that called? Work. If you pay for it, you have worked for that money. It's something that you've earned. It's works. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's a gift. It's a gift. So how do you become a child of God? By receiving the gift. That's it. Well, you, Pastor, are you sure? I, I thought I had to get baptized. Or I thought I had to be a good person. The reason you thought you had to be a good person is because you think there are good people. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good. Nobody. Why do bad things happen to good people? They don't. There aren't any good people. We are all deserving of hell. That's why God's grace becomes so amazing. Because those are the people Jesus Christ came to die for. People like me and people like you. And then not only does He offer us eternal life, He offers us the opportunity and the promise that we are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. What can you do to deserve that? Nothing. But you can receive it as a gift. And that's what He wants to give you today. Thank you, Lord, so much for Your Word.